0: The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network.
1: Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
0: Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program.
2: everybody. Welcome to the Main Street Vegan Show. Such a pleasure to be speaking with you today. I'm going to give you the call-in number right now, just in case you happen to be listening live here on Wednesday. That number is 888-558-6489. Again, 888-558-6489. And I'm doing that right up front because we have someone on the show today to whom you may really want to ask some questions that you have been wanting answered for a long time. I will be bringing on, after the first break, Brenda Davis, RD. She is one of our favorite dietitians. Oh, my gosh. We love all of our vegan dietitians. And Brenda is one who is not only brilliant, but she can translate all that nutritional information into ways that those of us who haven't studied that particular kind of science can understand. And she also doesn't take sides and go off on tangents. You know, sometimes we run into people who just get funny about food. And we don't want to be funny other than, you know, if we're telling jokes or something. We want to just eat well, live well. Save animals, save the planet. You know the drill, the whole vegan good life. So we will be coming on with Brenda Davis about 10 past the hour. So uh, give a call and, uh, and ask Brenda your nutrition questions. Between now and then, there's some stuff going on around Main Street Vegan that I want to let you know about. Something is going to be happening online on March 5th. It has nothing to do with Main Street Vegan, and it seems to have nothing to do with being vegan at all. It's called hashtag thank a nun day. Oh, my goodness. That has nothing to do with vegan. Why are you talking about that? Well, I'll tell you why. Because this particular... Interesting day was devised by a vegan and a great friend of this show, John Schlimm. He's been on a few times. John is the author of The Tipsy Vegan and The Cheesy Vegan. And what is so cool about John is that he's not unidimensional. Do some of your friends ever think that because you're vegan or because you're thinking of going vegan, that you're going to turn into this person who doesn't think about anything but food or or the terrible things that go on in the world and you're not going to be your fun, interesting, multifaceted self anymore? Well, of course, that is ridiculous. And I love talking to Renaissance vegans, one of whom is John Schlimm. He is an expert on beers. He is an expert on country music. He wrote cookbooks before he was even vegan. And now he has written the most beautiful book called Five Years in Heaven, The Unlikely Friendship That Answered Life's Greatest Questions. So John, young guy out there in Pennsylvania, befriended Sister Augustine, an 86-year-old nun, who had a pottery shop in in a church near where he lives in in Pennsylvania. And she taught him so much. Deepak Chopra calls this an inspiring memoir of the miracle of friendship. So if you have something for which to thank a nun, just go online on, on Tuesday, May 5th. Do hashtag thank good and say what you have to say on, on Twitter or Facebook or Pinterest or, or wherever. And that gives John a shout out and a kind of boost to his beautiful book, Five Years in Heaven. So hey there, John. May, may you run away with the bestseller list. Other stuff going on. A blog just came out today. It was an interview with me. And the questions, I just have to tell you, the questions were so incredible. You know, we think about reading articles because we want to know the answers. Well, this one is good because of the questions. And this is one of Marla Rose's vegan rock star interviews. Oh, my gosh. If you want to make somebody feel good, call them a rock star. Isn't that wild? That is the best thing you can call a person. Anyway, here's where you can find it. It's on her Vegan Feminist Agitator blog. You can kind of tell. You can get Marla from that. VeganFeministAgitator.blogspot.com for April 29th. And she talks to me, and I'm really grateful. And there's some other stuff coming up. I would invite you, if you're new to the Main Street Vegan show or if we're not very well acquainted yet, to just check out MainStreetVegan.net. And one of the little tabs there says events. And that talks about things that are going on around the country and sometimes around the world where I'll be going as a speaker and where we could meet and hang out in the flesh. So just coming up this Saturday, May 2nd, I'll be in the Hudson Valley of New York, Lake Katrine for a Women's Health Expo, uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, Veg Fest, May 16th. May 17th, a free teleclass, Just for people who pre-order the Good Karma Diet, which is my new book coming in May. So you can go to MainStreetVegan.net and click on books and you can read all about how you can pre-order and then you get in on the free teleclass. And we're also having a Good Karma contest where your favorite nonprofit can get one of three $100 gifts. It's all going to be fun. Uh, If you're not available for the free teleclass on the 17th, it will be recorded. Recorded so you can at least listen in. So anyway, if you go to events at MainStreetVegan.net, you'll find out about all this cool stuff happening. You'll also find out that you can subscribe to the Main Street Minute. And that is our respectfully short weekly newsletter that just tells you all kinds of stuff, like who's going to be on this show next And if they are somebody with a cookbook, we'll put in a recipe from them. We do some interesting little quotes and stories and tales that are worth reading. So you can check all that stuff out. We also have a blog. Oh, my goodness. And what's cool about our blog is that it's written by different people. So once a month I write it, and the other four weeks – A graduate of Main Street Vegan Academy, a certified vegan lifestyle coach and educator, writes the blog, and this week is five books for ethical vegans. These are book recommendations, not necessarily books about veganism, but books that kind of would make an ethical vegan feel really, really good. All cuddled up with your fabulous cup of chai tea and your favorite dog or kitty, and just Read something wonderful. One of the recommended books is, um, is by Ellen Canner. She is the Meatless Monday blogger for the Huffington Post. I was just on the phone with her this morning and, and we've got her book reviewed there on Main Street Vegan. So you know what? We're just all connected, whether we have met in real time, real world or not. What goes around comes around. You know I believe that, or I wouldn't write a book called The Good Karma Diet. And I am so happy that something that went around and did so well the first time is now coming around again, and this is the beautiful, phenomenal, brilliant Brenda Davis. So right after these messages, we are just going to jump right in to your nutritional questions and mine with Brenda Davis RD. Stay with us.
1: Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, Feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life? Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Spirit of Recovery is the place where spirituality and recovery meet. Where we support your spiritual growth. Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD, interviews down to earth guests who share with you how they keep going and growing in recovery. Spirit of Recovery is the place to get practical tips and join in lively discussions on topics that matter to recovering people. This program welcomes everyone who wants to know more about recovery. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time on Spirit of Recovery where we talk about what keeps you growing only on Unity Online Radio the voice of an awakening world
2: Welcome back. I'm Victoria Moran, the host of Main Street Vegan, here with my lovely guest, Brenda Davis, registered dietitian, co-author of nine vegetarian and vegan nutrition classics, including her newest works, Becoming Vegan, Comprehensive Edition, and Becoming Vegan, Express Edition. Brenda is the lead dietitian in a diabetes intervention project in Mahuro, Marshall Islands, She's a past chair of the Vegetarian Nutrition Dietetic Practice Group of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, and she is an inductee into the Vegetarian Hall of Fame. Talk about a rock star, Brenda Davis. (laughs) Welcome to the show.
4: Oh, thank you very much, Victoria, for that lovely introduction. It's a real
2: pleasure to be with you today. Well, that is fully mutual. Now, I just want to let our listeners know this is your second time on the show. If you want to hear the first show, you go back in the archives. You can go to the Unity Online Radio site. You can go to um, iTunes and just go back to November 19th, 2014, and you can hear the first show with Brenda. In that, we went into a lot of detail about herbs and spices, about oil use in general, coconut oil in particular. We talked about some of the nutrients that if you hang out at CrossFit gyms and places where paleo people go, they might have said, what about choline? What about vitamin K2? Talked about all that stuff and um, got a little bit into the which is better, soy milk or almond milk. And there were about a million things left to talk about. So Brenda promised to uh, come back uh, in the lovely springtime, which she's doing. And we said at that time that we would jump right into sugar and carbs and that whole controversy out in the world where, oh, my gosh, people are confused. Help us out. How bad is a carb and can you be addicted to sugar?
4: Well first of all how bad is a carb? Uh, carb is not bad. <laughs> um, carbohydrates are one of the key sources of energy for the human body and are extremely important to health and I think one thing that people need to understand is if you look around the world at the very healthiest, longest living populations in the world, like the blue zone populations for example, Uh, you know, in, in these, in these cultures, carbohydrates probably make up between 50 and 80% of calories. So it's close to 80% of calories in Okinawa, Japan. It's closer to 50% in Icaria, Greece or Sardinia, Italy. Um, but but basically we're looking at 50 to 80 percent of calories from carbs uh, in the healthiest populations in the world. Now the thing that we have tended to do in our culture is label all carbs with the same black brush. We're assuming that all carbs are bad because. There are some carbs that have been stripped of everything of value to human health before we eat them and that makes them not so great. If you think about uh, grains for example, if we re- refine grains which are high carbohydrate food, you're literally taking out the most valuable components from that food. The, the germ, the bran, where most of the vitamins and minerals and protein and antioxidants, phytochemicals, vitamin E, so on and so forth. You're removing that. And then of course nobody eats a bowl of white flour. Before you eat the, the concentrated starch, you add, um, fat and sugar and salt and artificial chemicals and preservatives and then you eat it. And, and we wonder why that's not supporting optimal health. So I think it's really important to distinguish between refined carbohydrates and unrefined carbohydrates because refined carbohydrates include simple sugars and starches would have, which have been literally stripped of what would naturally be of value to human health. And unrefined carbohydrates are carbohydrates that are coming packaged with the vitamins and minerals and phytochemicals and fiber and protein and everything else that is of value. And so that's a really important distinction. So carbohydrates are not only good, they're really critical to human health, but you need to be getting them from real food. So you get carbohydrates from all plant foods. You get Carbohydrates from, um, you know, from grains, but you get them also from from legumes and from vegetables and from fruits and from nuts and seeds. So they come from all of those foods.
2: So what has happened, Brenda? I, mean, I was so sad a few weeks ago and went on and on about <laughs> our losing former President Clinton from the plant based fold, and it seems that. As a birthday gift last year, Mrs. Clinton had given her husband the gift of a new doctor. I don't think I've been married long enough to give my husband a new doctor as a gift, but anyway. <laughs> and the new doctor has supposedly told him, he, he said on Rachel Ray, statements such as, Vegans get too much start. Vegans can't get enough high-quality protein. Vegans have a hard time keeping their weight down. I mean, this is, r- this is a medical doctor telling somebody this. Yeah, it's
4: unfortunate. Number one, it's unfortunate because we have very, very good studies on the body mass index of all kinds of, of people. And there are a couple of studies, Epic Oxford and Adventist Health Study 2, that actually compare... Um, body mass index of, of people consuming a wide variety of dietary patterns, but all of the people in the study are actually health conscious, similar health conscious individuals. So they, they tend to exercise about the same amount, they tend to have the so, same socioeconomic status. All of the variables are controlled for. And when you control for all of those kinds of variables and you look at meat eaters, versus semi-vegetarians versus pesco or uh, people who are vegetarian plus fish uh, versus lacto-ovo vegetarians versus vegans. Uh, Vegans have the lowest body mass index of any dietary group and that is consistent throughout studies and has been for years and years. As a matter of fact, in the United States in the Adventist Health Study, they're the only group that is within the healthy body mass index range, which is, of course, 18.5 to 24.9. They're the only group that falls within that range. Every other group is outside of the healthy body uh, mass index range. So to say that vegans, you know, are more overweight is absolutely unsubstantiated by science. And to say that they get too much carbs, well, there are some groups of, of, of uh, vegetarians or vegans that that are eating very low fat diets. So their diet. So what? Where do we get calories from carbohydrates, fat, and protein? If you cut fat down to ten percent, of course you're going to be getting more. Of your calories from carbs uh, and/or protein; those that's where you get your calories from. Uh, But for the average uh, uh, vegan, the intakes um, are generally very close to 25 to 30 percent of calories from fat. Uh, They're very close to about 15 percent of calories from protein, which leaves, you know, uh, what uh, 40, 30, um, 40 to 45 percent from from fat and protein it leaves 60 60 or so percent to 55 to 60% of calories from carbs and that is you know well within the the range of not only normal but very healthy carbohydrate intake uh so and and where do you get your fiber well it comes along with those carbs and so vegans have by far the highest intakes of fiber of any dietary group uh, so it, to me is, is is a ridiculous argument to say that that vegans get too much carbs. I think they they can get too much refined carbs if they're eating refined products. But you know I think what we're learning, Victoria, is that the actual percentage of carbohydrate, protein, and fat in the diet matters far less than the sources of those macronutrients. Like protein, fat, and carbohydrate are macronutrients the source of those macronutrients is what really matters. When the macronutrients come from whole plant foods, like vegetables and fruits and nuts and seeds and beans and grains, you know,
2: the, it, it, those percentages just matter a whole lot less. That makes so much sense. I just don't understand how this other message, this whole thing about it's all about sugar And if you get rid of that, you'll be fine. Eat chicken, eat fish, eat eggs, eat low-fat dairy. I don't get it how we know refined carbs are bad, but there are a lot of bad things about these animal foods too. And very seldom do those negative implications get out into the general world.
4: Well, you know, Victoria, it's interesting because what actually happened – was two studies came out suggesting the vindication of saturated fats. One was the Siri Torino trial in 2010 and the other was the Chowdhury trial in 2014. And in both of those studies, <clears throat> they were really comparing, looking at populations consuming high saturated fat diets versus populations consuming even higher fat saturated fat diets. And what they found in those studies is that the, you know, those little differences in saturated fat intake really didn't make a huge difference to their risk of coronary heart disease. However, if you compare people eating low amounts of saturated fat with people eating high amounts of saturated fat, there's a huge difference. And that was one of the problems with these studies, but but the other problem was that that the interpretation of these studies by the media was so bad that it just confused the public, something awful. Because what these studies really were showing is not that saturated fat has been vindicated, but that saturated fat, if you replace it with refined carbohydrates, you're no better off. Um, you are better off if you replace saturated fat with unsaturated fat or with unrefined carbohydrates. But but replacing your your you know saturated fat, meat and dairy, with your white flour, white rice kind of products, and you overeat. That's the other piece of this puzzle. Uh, if you're burning off those calories, it doesn't matter as much like people in Asia who are very thin. They're burning off the calories. It's, it's not quite as damaging. But for people that are, are over consuming and storing these calories as fat, guess what the, the refined carbohydrates get turned into? Pretty much saturated fat for storage. Anyway. Seriously. Wow. <laughs> yes, seriously. So, so what, what's happening is, is that we finally recognized that, uh, that, that replacing saturated fat with all of these 95% of the carbohydrates people in North America consume are refined. So it's understandable that people think carbohydrates are bad. Most of the carbohydrates they're eating are bad. It doesn't mean that carbohydrates are bad because carbohydrates are they they're the 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 key uh, macronutrients in most plant foods. Just think about this, Victoria. Fruits probably ninety to ninety-two percent of the calories come from carbs. Vegetables, starchy vegetables are about ninety percent. Grains are about seventy-five percent of calories from carbs. Beans are about 70% of calories from carbs, and non-starchy vegetables are pretty close to 60% of calories from carbs. I've just listed the healthiest foods on the planet, fruits, vegetables, whole grains, legumes, and they all contain between 60 and 90% of calories from carbs. So to say that carbs are bad for you, are you saying that all of these foods are bad for you? Because that's how much carbs they contain even non-starchy vegetables like leafy greens. So so it just makes no sense to vilify carbs. The only plant foods that are low in carbs are nuts and seeds because they're mostly fat. Good fat, mind you, but they're still mostly fat. So they they're lower in carbs. But the only foods that are carb-free are are really meat and eggs. Meat, poultry, fish and eggs. Though though, though you don't get carbs from those foods. So the people that are promoting these low-carb diets are really promoting diets that are meat and egg diets. And we know that the studies are, you know, beyond any question, we've got studies showing that eating a lot, especially meat, uh, it increases your risk of cancer, increases your risk of heart disease. It decreases your fiber intake, it decreases your antioxidant intake, it decreases your phytochemical intake, all of the things that we know are the most protective to human health. So it just makes no sense to me to be recommending those kinds of diets. And, you know, not only uh, are are these not the kinds of diets that the world's healthiest people eat, but they're actually the most devastating for animals and for the environment, it just is, it's very, very sad. You know, you think about these sort of paleo or primal or low-carb, whatever you want to call them, diets. Um, we have to think about the fact that, that years and years ago, when people actually lived on those kinds of diets, there were how many millions of people on the planet? Maybe three or four or five or six at the most. We've now got seven billion people on the planet and if we are going to succeed at creating a safe and adequate food supply to nourish this incredibly large human population we have got to look beyond me, myself and I. We've got to look at the big picture and you know an animal-based diet is, is not only bad for human health, it's ecologically unsustainable, and it's ethically misguided in every sense of the word. It's a disaster for people, and it's a disaster for this planet on which we reside, and it just makes me cringe to think about what's happening uh, with the promotion of these kinds of diets.
2: Wow, I would love to see you in a debate with Bill Clinton's doctor and i just have to say i'm still stuck. i'm i'm I'm, la-
4: I'm laughing when you say that because it brings me it brings me back to a dinner i was having uh eating my vegan meal with the doctor you're talking about across the table digging into his lamb whatever it was and and we did get into that discussion, so that just made me smile.
2: Well, that was just your rehearsal. Maybe we can have you on the Main Street Vegan (laughs) show and (laughs) you can do it for real. Now, Brenda, (laughs) when you you said a number that so stunned me, I just want to make sure I heard it right. Did you say that 98% of the carbohydrate consumed by Americans is refined?
4: No, I said 95. It's probably between 90 and 95 uh, and that's wow. what, that's what most documents say. So, so, but 95 is probably pretty close for most people because when you think about it, most of the carbohydrates people are, are consuming are not in the form of fruits and vegetables. People, what is it? 1.6% of the population gets even five servings of fruits and vegetables a day and optimal is probably closer to 10. Uh, people aren't eat, getting their carbs from those sources or even whole grains or or legumes. People barely eat beans. So they're getting their carbs from very refined, you know, pretzels and cookies and, and, you know, refined breads and cereals and all of those places and from sugars. They drink. Half of the sugar people eat in North America comes from sugar-sweetened beverages. So a lot of their carbs are coming
2: in the form of liquid sugar as well. Brenda, we have two questioners. I do want to get back to the sugar addiction that we were talking about with with Jeff, our engineer, before the show, so we won't forget that. But let's now go to Marilyn from the UK. Hi, Marilyn. What's your question for Brenda?
3: Hi, Hi, Victoria. I just wanted to find out whether the high-carb, low-fat way of eating, which is what suggested by Dr. Esselstyn, I think, um, whether that is the best diet for for someone with diabetes.
2: Brenda?
4: Well, you know, I, I think I, I respect Dr. Esselstyn greatly, and he has really helped to prove that you can reverse heart disease with a, a very low-fat, plant-based diet, Um, Now, I I think that that diet is usable for people with diabetes, and I think it, it could work. But in my experience, especially my experience in the Marshall Islands, I have found that people with diabetes tend to do better lowering their carbohydrate a bit, which means increasing and making sure that that carbohydrate is very unrefined. So when they eat grains, for example, they are intact. So if you're eating wheat, it's a wheat berry. If you're eating kamut, it's a kamut berry. It's not uh, ground up into flour, which actually increases the surface area of the grain so much and and increases the rate of absorption into your bloodstream. Puffed grains, flaked grains, even, you know, um, anything made with even a whole grain flour is really not ideal for people with diabetes they do much better cooking or sprouting the intact grains and so you know so in terms of of how would I improve that diet for diabetes I would add some uh, higher fat plant foods like nuts and seeds and avocados and I would try to keep the fat in the whole food form as much as possible but and my experience in the Marshall Islands is that when we moderate total carbohydrate intake it helps to reverse insulin resistance and so we do have to be careful about total fat we don't want to overdo fat and we want to make sure that the quality of fat is very very high so for example what I would recommend is instead of uh, putting you know, people put uh, jam on uh, whole grain bread. If you're eating whole grain bread, I would far rather a, a person put on almond butter, or or something that has some sort of nutritional value, as opposed to just sugar. Um, so that to me is very very important. And also, if you're eating a bowl of oatmeal or a bowl of oat groats, which is better, or a bowl of barley, uh, which is even better still, because of the so you know the the soluble fiber that's there i would rather see you put uh some uh chopped up walnuts and some flaxseed and some hemp seed or chia seeds yeah. on top which would actually reduce the rate of absorption of the carbohydrates from those uh from the from those grains uh, then putting on, um, you know, a, a, a sweet topping. So definitely put on the blueberries and put on the high antioxidant fruits, but also. So what about bananas? Put, uh, bananas, you know, and bananas again are a fruit, they're healthy for you, uh, and, and I wouldn't say don't eat them, but just be aware that they are a little higher, more concentrated carbohydrate than something like blueberries. So when you're putting something on a cereal, that's going to increase your carbohydrate intake even more. So maybe just a half a banana and a few blueberries if you're uh, doing that. And also one thing that makes a big difference is the ripeness of the banana. The the riper the banana, the more quickly, the higher the glycemic index and the more quickly the sugars from that banana will be absorbed. So if you're eating a green banana almost – You'll have a glycemic index of half that practically or, you know, considerably lower, probably in the range of but, 35 so to
3: 38. So you can yes. eat it as a vegetable more or less basically.
4: You can you can eat a, a ripe banana too, but just be aware that it is a higher. It's more like it's almost more like a grain in its carbohydrate content. It's a more concentrated carbohydrate source, so you want to moderate your intake. But again, to reduce the absorption of those sugars from the banana, having some sort of. Uh, um, nuts or seeds, or and and even a, a some sort of fat containing milk, like soy milk, would help to reduce the rate of absorption.
2: Okay, all right then. Okay, thank I hope- you very much. Oh, thanks You're for calling, welcome. Marianne. And I also just want to remind you and everybody else listening about some of Brenda's wonderful books. Becoming Vegan Comprehensive Edition goes into a lot of detail. That's a great one for for your doctor or your sister in law, the nutritionist, or somebody like that. Becoming Vegan Express Edition is very much for lay people. You don't want to get into a huge amount of detail, but you want to know what you need to know to live a healthy life. So check out Becoming Vegan is by Brenda. Is going to be
3: writing one on um, on diabetes?
4: Since you know the project. Yes, and, you know, I I wrote one on diabetes in 2003. It's called Defeating Diabetes. But we are going to be updating that book very shortly, probably within the next couple of years. We're going to be starting on an update for Defeating Diabetes. Okay. All right.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Marya. Yeah, and I'll just
4: tell you, Marianne, that there, there are, yes. there is another book that just was released last year, and it's called Goodbye Diabetes. And it's mm-hmm. by Wes Young, by, by Dr. Wes Youngberg. And it has okay. some wonderful information as well. And of course, Neil Barnard has a, uh, book, and Joel Furman has a book on diabetes, and both of those yeah, the have of excellent, diabetes, yeah. okay. exactly, okay. they have some excellent information as well.
2: Okay. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you so Very much welcome. for the call. And and Brenda's website is brendadavisrd.com. You could also check out the book as a website, becomingvegan.ca. So you can check all that out. We need to go to break, and we'll be back with Stan on the line and his question for Brenda Davis. Right. <laughs>
3: As we examine what it means to be sacred activists in service of compassion and justice, we may find ourselves asking, how do we become a sacred activist? Institute for Sacred Activism founder Andrew Harvey says, follow your heartbreak. His advice echoes Gandhi, who once said, whenever you are in doubt apply the following test. Recall the face of the poorest and the weakest person whom you may have seen and ask yourself if the step you contemplate is going to be of any use to them. Will they gain anything by it? Will it restore them to a control over their own life and destiny? So whenever in doubt about the direction of your life, just ask yourself, What Breaks My Heart? whose suffering is simply too much to bear, and then commit your life to alleviate it. Don't turn your face away from the pain and injustice that is so prevalent in our world. Courageously bear witness to it, and in prayer, dedicate your life to healing it. Gain more spiritual insights. Listen to Radical Spirituality and Sacred Activism with Adam Bucko Mondays at 4 p.m. Central Time, here on Unity Online Radio.
1: Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Main Street Vegan show. We're talking with Brenda Davis, RD. And we have a call from Stan from New York City. You may recognize Stan because he was actually uh, an appetizer guest on the show a while back talking about the wonderful results he has had with his switch to a plant-based diet. So, Stan, what's your question for Brenda?
5: Hi, Victoria. Thank you. Brenda, how are you today? I I just wanted to call in because I was listening to the radio show, and I mean, I changed to whole food plant-based January 12th was pretty much my start date, and and I go by uh, results, um, how I feel, how much I'm eating, getting jazzed about what I'm making myself uh, eat, and, and I never knew so many choices than I have with switching over and really trying new and different and exciting things all the time. And my my blood work and my weight uh, speaks for itself. I don't need any scientific studies. All I can say is for anybody, you know what, just try it for 28 days. And if you don't come out with results, you know, I, I can assure you that you will. My results, I had a cholesterol of 248. uh, It is now down to 189. My blood pressure is, the last reading was 128 over 70. My blood pressure medication has been cut pretty much in half, and I'm negotiating next time I see the doctor to cut that in half. Um, My uh, diabetes runs in my family, so it was really, uh, I'm glad that I was on today. My blood sugar was 98, and the cholesterol thing was big because my doctor's I have a new doctor, but my old doctors would always tell me, you know, it well, it takes a while to come off and, you know, just keep walking, do this, do that. No one ever mentioned anything because I was eating healthy. I was. and uh, But from January 12th, which was around 248, my cholesterol, and my uh, blood work was March 3rd, went down to 189. So I'm here to tell you as a living proof of an older individual, Old. Oh, I, I just turned sixty, and, and I'm jazzed about that. But I'm here to say that you know what? Um, eating for me a whole food, plant based diet with diabetes that runs in the family that has taken my mother and my brother and my nieces and nephews, uh, some of which have diabetes. I am. I am so grateful that um, I unfortunately I don't have it, and I'm very grateful for that. But other uh, family members do. But I just wanted to say um, thank you. And it, I'm, I'm just here to say, to voice a whole food plant-based diet, just give it a go for 28 days. Change your life because there really is something to this. I feel 600% better. 600% better, I have to say. And that is no lie. That is no lie.
2: Most people mm. don't turn sixty and say they feel six hundred percent better <laughs>
4: exactly yeah. Thank you so much Stan you know I, I can so relate to your story just because I we have a huge um, rate of diabetes uh, in in my family as well on my dad's side and so I know I know how critical those personal choices are Di- diabetes is really a disease that is entirely preventable. Uh you know, yeah. not type 1, but certainly type 2 diabetes is a disease of uh, really eating the wrong foods, not exercising enough. We in the Marshall Islands where I where I um have done some research there was no diabetes in the Marshall Islands 70 years ago. It was pretty much non-existent. Today they have the highest death rates from diabetes in the world. And and what's changed is they used to uh collect plants and spear uh fish for their food. Now they, you know, sort of slowly walk or take a taxi to the grocery store and buy processed foods. And they live off mm. processed fruit foods and sweet drinks. And uh, and it it's really a formula for disaster. It's it's uh, it, it induces diabetes and that's what diabetes is really all about. And so it's something that we we really can choose to avoid uh quite honestly and quite frankly. So it's I I you know I think of a story I'd love to share a story with you because just to encourage you. Uh I um had a uh, a call from a young man 36 years of age uh diagnosed with cancer who was really desperate to try because there was nothing more that the medical system could do for him. Uh, to try something really quite aggressively diet-wise. And he was a huge meat and potato kind of person, um, and very much a foodie. And, and he decided to, uh, to, to follow a diet that I, I prescribed for him. Uh, and it was a very high raw plant-based diet. And he, he actually went into remission with his cancer, which was a miracle in itself. But, but the really big story is his father, who had been diabetic for 20 years, had just had a major heart attack, was on 40 units of insulin and 17 pills a day. He had recurring gout, peripheral artery disease, super high blood pressure, just high cholesterol, high triglycerides, everything. And uh, he was told by his physician that he had a progressive irreversible disease that he there was nothing they could do about it, it was um he he could prepare to die they they told him he probably had about two years to live. His kidneys were failing as well by the way, and he and his whole family decided that that in solidarity with their son to support their son through his cancer e- experience that they would all go on whatever diet he was doing. so they all went on this sort of high raw kind of a plant-based diet. And what happened to his dad was just an a- absolutely shocking because his dad was able to get off his insulin, get off all 17 pills. He now has a fasting sugar of about 80. His A1C is 4.9 or to 5.2, somewhere in there. His blood pressure is 120 over 70. And his cholesterol mm-hmm. is normal. His kidney function is perfectly normal. The scar tissue in his heart is reversing. Um, in, in essence, he, he basically was able to overcome every progressive irreversible, you know, in quotes, disease he was told he had. And when he went back to his doctor, and said, you know, his doctor was just stunned. But he said to his doctor, why didn't you tell me that this was possible? All you did was tell me it was progressive and irreversible and get ready to die. You know, why didn't you tell me I could do this? And you know what the doctor said? He said, mm-hmm. because I didn't know you could do this. He said, wow. I've never seen anything like this before. I didn't know That diet and lifestyle changes could have that kind of effect. And you know, the interesting thing is it's been almost four years now. And this man continues to get better and better and better as his body kind of, his body gets rid of all of the long standing effects of all of these drugs over so many years. He says now he feels like he's 25 years old. He works out at the gym for two hours a day now because he doesn't know what else to do with his time. He's in his 70s and he feels like he's 25. Before, he said he felt like he was just preparing to die. So people need to understand that every single thing that you put in your mouth is the building blocks for your body and your body is turned over, your cells in your body, Turn over all the time. You can, in essence, rebuild your body and turn it into something different. And and it is shocking. You mentioned twenty eight days. It is shocking how fast that can happen. I when I I first
5: started, I I, you know I it was around January twelfth. I designated that as the start date because it was around the time, and Victoria knows this. I. Boxing Day celebration. I had to leave early for an, uh gathering I was at and and I went home and I had this horrific flu for like six weeks. But in that time period, it, it just there was such a turnaround for me. <clears throat> and from January 12th to um, <clears throat> uh, Monday, this past Monday, I don't know how how many weeks that is, but I've dropped uh, pretty much twenty pounds uh, wow. since then, and you mentioned something about a kidney thing now the the kidney part of my blood work uh, was uh my my original one was very bad it was under sixty and under sixty is very dangerous um, I had a fifty nine and my latest blood work it was one o six, and the higher the number, the better for my kidneys, everything was rock. My doctor called me up and he said, Listen, you have exquisite blood work here this is This is like amazing. He was shocked. He had to call me up, so I'm here <laughs> so to tell great. anybody. I said, You know what instead of wondering or guessing, just Try just try it for 28 days, and I and I almost guarantee that there will be significant changes with anybody. I know there has wow. been for me, and um, I'm ecstatic. I want to thank you, for, uh, <laughs> yes.
2: I am so sorry to interrupt but I promised somebody we got a lot of questions in on the email and one woman was yeah. really adamant that she wanted her question answered and we only have 2 minutes left. So go ahead, I go. do <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> for Sean in Canada, fellow Canadian Brenda. Good. She really? wanted to know Bye. what specific um, by Stan love you, what specific dietary um, recommendations you have for uh, for someone entering the menopausal years.
4: Well, you know, I don't to be honest, I'm I'm postmenopausal myself. Uh and and so I I didn't really make any changes. I I but I think that it's really important as you go through menopause, though I shouldn't say I didn't make any. The one thing I had to do was reduce calories a little bit. And I think when you go through menopause and at postmenopausally, your energy needs actually decrease a little bit. And so you need to make the adjustment or for a lot of people, they call it sort of the 10-pound menopause gift or whatever. Um, a lot of people gain 10 pounds during menopause. You really do need to look at your diet and see where you can cut calories without cutting nutrients. So, so I think it's just really important to eat a lot of vegetables, a lot of green vegetables, fresh fruits. Make sure you get your legumes in, make sure you, if you're eating grains, they're, they're primarily intact whole grains, make sure you get nuts and seeds and you want to get a lot of essential fatty acids, especially omega-3s which can be lacking for people. So things like chia seeds and flax seeds and hemp seeds are wonderful sources of those nutrients. You want to make sure you've got good sources of trace minerals. So things like pumpkin seeds are a wonderful addition. Uh, and, of course, for menopause, I, I actually have to say I went through menopause with hardly a symptom. I barely noticed it. Every once in a while, I would feel warm. I never felt hot, um, but every once in a while, I had a bit of warmness. That was it. That was the extent of my menopause. I almost didn't even notice it. And, and so, I, I tend to eat, um, you know, uh, some soy. So, for soy, the way that I think about soy is, is to eat soy that's a little, um, less processed. So, I prefer tempeh or tofu or organic soy milk or or edamame are really good choices as soy foods. And the phytoestrogens in soy uh, act as, can act as weak estrogens and help to relieve some of the hot flashes. So that's another thing that people can do.
2: Sounds excellent. Well, gosh, if I could go through it again, I would want to follow you around and do everything that you did. Brenda, you are a wonder, and I think we're just going to have to have you back again because we didn't get to a whole list of questions, but everything that you said was so helpful and and so practical and and usable in the real world. We'll also uh, talk about sugar addiction next time. You know, people say I'm addicted to sugar, but it seems like without the fat and and the salt in it, sugar is kind of boring. We'll find that (laughs) out. Next time, Brenda Davis, the book is Becoming Vegan, Comprehensive Edition, Becoming Vegan, Express Edition, brendadavisrd.com. Thanks, everybody, for making us part of your day. God bless you. Eat your veggies.
0: Right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Are you looking for help on your path to healing? I'm Lisa Campion. I'm a psychic, Reiki master, teacher, and energy healer. On my podcast, The Miracle of Healing, I'm going to help you on your healing path. Listen to conversations with leading teachers in energy medicine, quantum healing, and people who have recovered from loss and illness. Whether it's to take care of your own healing or to help other people, this is the podcast for you right here on mindbodyspirit.fm.